we've heard an awful lot about sheep. It's been sheep this, sheep that. The Good Shepherd, we're all sheep. I thought it would be high time that, I knew I made this slide for a purpose, that we decide what kind of sheep we are today. Because I thought sheep were all the same, but it turns out, if you look at Google Images, there are lots of different sheep. There are kind of cute lambs. There are kind of strong rams and strong ewes. There are kind of ragged, manky sheep. There are tangled sheep that haven't been sheared for a very long time and seem to have lived life a lot. There are pairs of sheep coming twos. There are sort of sheep with extremely excellent woolly coats. So whilst I get my notes, think about what kind of sheep you are. Are you a happy lamb today? Or are you a weary, ragged sheep who needs help? What is it you need from the Lord today and what can you offer? And just briefly, I'd like to say, for those who are caring for their little lambs in the foyer and can hear this, we are still thinking of you in here today. I think I'm that one. That's, that's my favourite one, I think. <laughs> not sure what's wrong with that one, but it doesn't look too good. So, well, thanks again for allowing me to speak. It's always a great pleasure to be able to share my thoughts on God's holy word. Uh, my name is Steve, for those who don't know me. Um, I'm one of the members of the church here. I'm happy to talk to people about things in this sermon or pray for people, perhaps. So you can usually find me at the back of the services hanging around. So please do feel free to come and say hello if, if you feel the need. But today we're talking about the marvellous I am statements of Jesus. They're on the screen just to remind us. And next to them is an image of a, of a sheepfold, kind of a, a rocky enclosure which the, in which the sheep are safe, guarded by the man, the shepherd, at the doorway through which nothing can pass except by his will. And so far we've explored the notion that Jesus is. He's eternal unchanging, outside of time, outside of its beginning. We thought about Jesus as the bread of life, there to sustain us. We thought about Jesus as the light of the world, there to guide us and to banish the darkness that we find ourselves in. But today we're thinking about Jesus being the good shepherd, there to shelter us, to protect us, to lead us home, keep us safe from the dangers of the world. And this good shepherd knows each of its sheep. He knows us all intimately. He knows what we need right now. He knows what we can offer in his kingdom. He knows everything about us. So however we find ourselves today, Jesus is there ready to receive you, to guide you, to encourage you, and to love you. And before I get into the main part of the talk, it's worth reiterating how important and absolutely radical the I am statements are. Because he says, I am. He doesn't say, I am like In his parables, Jesus is forever saying things like heaven is like a mustard seed, and so on. Jesus uses language carefully and precisely. He says, I am, in the section of John's Gospels, and he really means it. And this is why the Pharisees find it so blasphemous. It might not sound like much of a difference to us, but it really does make all the difference in the world. So we'll focus on the Good Shepherd. Now, to our modern minds, I imagine that conjures up comforting images of someone looking after their lambs or rustic memories of one man and his dog, for those who remember that sort of program. Uh, It's the kind of program that when when I show my children, they lament my youth as to how poor the media was that we had to suffer. I quite liked it, really. 
Um, But when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, it will have meant something instantly very significant to anyone immersed in the Old Testament. And to truly understand what Jesus means when he says, I am the good shepherd, we need to look back into the Old Testament, which we'll do briefly at the start of this talk. Uh, And if you Google this, you'll find out that sheep and shepherds is an enormously important topic in the Bible, with over 400 references. Which is, which is more than Jews, it's more than kings, it's, it's a very important topic. Now many of these are just about sheep and shepherds who happen to be there historically in parts of the stories. But some are more fundamental to the role of Lord as the carer of mankind. And in particular there's a strong theme running through the Bible with the Lord being our shepherd, culminating in Jesus being the earthly manifestation Because we first hear about the Lord as our shepherd way back in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis when Jacob's talking to his sons. He says that his son Joseph will be kept safe and strong by the mighty God of Jacob, the shepherd, the rock of Israel. At the very start, the Lord sets out that he is our shepherd. And despite having something as amazing as the Lord looking after them, Our early forefathers, as we know, quickly turned away from God to terrible consequence. And we read about the seemingly endless cycle of the Israelites turning to and trusting in idols, returning to God repentant, only to move away soon afterwards. It seems that we're still doing precisely the same thing today. And before long, the tribes of Israel wanted to start trusting in themselves. They wanted kings to care for them. Because they saw other nations had kings and they, they wanted one. So the first king was Saul and the second king was David. Now the Lord loved David very much. And he actually said to David, It is you who shall be shepherd of my people. You shall be the ruler of Israel. And the Lord was willing to let us try out shepherding for ourselves. And David in the early Psalms wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the short term, things went okay and David prospered as king. And I think it is precisely because he knew the Lord was his shepherd. And it's a great model of humility. David is all-powerful to his people, yet he joyfully and completely submits to his divine shepherd. And I think that's an amazing model to follow. But of course, anything, anyone who knows anything about the Old Testament, or, precisely, or more specifically this bit of the Old Testament, knows that he was tempted by the beautiful Bathsheba and things went downhill. And this began a cycle whereby the kings of Israel and Judah became more and more corrupt and more and more evil. And after a sequence of bad kings, the Lord himself began to despair. And he made this very clear through his prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Now these are quite dense books, but imagine that it was a newspaper headline roughly of the times, and essentially this would be the headline. The Lord is angry with the shepherds. There's no doubt about it. But he does feel sorry for his long-suffering sheep. So he speaks to the people through Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, who were the prophets of the day. And gradually, the Lord becomes more and more angry with the shepherds who aren't shepherding his people properly. He starts off quite gentle. So he starts off by saying, Israel's shepherds have no understanding. They've all turned to their own way. For their own gain, one and all. Some slight displeasure. 
he then becomes more forceful. Woe to you, shepherds, who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. It is you who have scattered my flock and driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings. Pretty frightening to be one of those shepherds. Then enough is enough. He ends up saying, wail, you shepherds, and cry out. Roll in ashes, you lord of the flock, for the days of your slaughter have come. Flight shall fail the shepherds, and there shall be no escape for the lords of the flock. Wow, this is quite fiery stuff. But it indicates that the Lord was saying, you cannot look after the people whilst looking after yourself first. I'd rather like a head teacher who finally steps in to look after a persistently disruptive class. The Lord decides he himself is going to step in to show us the way forward. The Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep. I will rescue them. I will seek the lost, bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will feed them with justice. This is an amazing thing. The Lord himself is going to step in and take charge. And I think we can be comforted that throughout the whole story of the Bible, this is precisely what the Lord intended. And as an aside, it's easy to see why the Israelites expected a great military ruler to come and sort things out with the Romans. But actually, our shepherd entered the world as a baby. He grew to be a peaceful man, a good shepherd who was crucified, died and went to heaven. So perhaps we have a little better understanding of the statement, I am the good shepherd. It ties in perfectly with the simple statement, I am. It's clear that Jesus is there and has always been there, wanting to shepherd us into safe, comfortable pastures. It fills me with great excitement at this gift of hope and security. But it also fills me with some sense of concern. Because the key question that this boiled down to after some thought was, am I a sheep or am I a shepherd? Are you a sheep or are you a shepherd? I ask this question to each of you to consider the question the early Christians had to consider when Jesus left them so soon after arriving. How on earth were the Christians supposed to build the early church? How were they supposed to lead? How were they supposed to follow? Peter, who was given the task of being Jesus' rock, didn't write very much. But in his first book, he did write a chapter on how to shepherd the flock. I think oh, sorry, I've gone a bit wrong. Tending the flock of God. That was one. Okay? So the last chapter of Peter is on tending the flock of God. You could look at it if you wish to know how to be what part of the flock of God. <laughs> so, are you a sheep or are you a shepherd? I thought about this for a while, and then, of course, I realized that it's not as simple as this, because we're all part sheep and we're all part shepherd. We're looked after by some, and we ourselves look after others in one way or another. You may have an image of a centaur, but kind of a shepherd version. I was quite amused by that. A she- uh, sheep's legs with a human body. <laughs> but seriously, who do you follow and trust? Who do you guide and protect? We each have our individual role in this world. Are there people that we know who need us? Or are we ourselves in need of help, comfort, support or guidance? 
Are there people that we know who are lost? Or are we ourselves lost in some way? There are so many temptations and distractions out there. And so many ways that we can lose focus on what really matters. Because life today is so complicated, full of highs, lows, seemingly endless tasks and seemingly endless temptations which need our attention. I'm not sure if you can read these from the back, but these are things which may call us. Maybe you're drawn by status. I guess I used to be. Like, yeah, I'm really important. This is great. Maybe you're into power. Same sort of thing. Or maybe money was your thing. Or is. I used to think money was really handy. Possessions. Looks. There are so many things that we can put our trust in. But sitting in the center of all of this is the Lord waiting to offer us safe passage into his secure pasture. It's very easy to go in and out of everything else. It's very easy to lose sight of everything else when you're focusing on distractions. Do we need to search for a shepherd elsewhere? Do we know some sheep who could do with our guidance the fold? It's a difficult question, but this is where I feel that being part of a church is so essential. A church, I realize, is just like a mini sheep pen to which we can come for safety, nourishment, light, and restoration. A church has people called to ministry and care, people who are there to support the lost, the weary, and inspire the fit and the strong. Church has a flock with whom to bond and form fellowship, with whom to share the highs and lows, the ups and downs of life. Now, I I admit freely that sometimes on a Sunday morning, I just don't feel in the mood for church. I'm too stiff, I'm too tired, I'm too overloaded. Maybe I feel I'm not even thinking the right things to be allowed in church because I'm cross or angry about something. But I think, and the Bible really reinforces it, that if, if we fail to come to church and to take communion with each other and the Lord, then we're, at lo- we're lost in the wilderness. We're at far greater risk of falling prey to whatever wolves are out there waiting for us. Sure, take time out from time to time. But if we lose our church, then our spiritual fleece, if you like, our coat of wool, inevitably grows tangled and knotted as the world confuses us. We invariably start to lose ourselves, I think, and the true person that Jesus loves and the person that God wants us to be. But a church is simply, it's a group of people who want to follow the message of Jesus. It's that straightforward. It's in a church that we're nourished through our fellowship. It's in a church that we're protected from the evil one. In the same way that the good shepherd will actively seek out lost sheep, The good church will actively care for each and everyone who steps through its doors. This commission is for all of us to love one another, to care for one another, to forget about nobody. Regardless of your season or situation of life, you are unique. You're special. You're valued. You're also useful. You have something that you can offer that would help others. And help you back in return. Together we make our church. 
And I pray that we all carefully consider the example set by the Good Shepherd to make our church as good as it can be. To be a small light to the world, to bring others around us to the security and peace of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd and the Great I Am. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.